नमस्ते एंड वेलकम टू वेलनेस बाइट्स विद गौरी वेर वी डिस्कस टॉपिक्स रिलेटेड टू आयुर्वेदा न्यूट्रिशन एंड वेलनेस द पर्पज ऑफ दिस पॉडकास्ट इज टू क्रिएट अवेयरनेस अबाउट हाउ वी कैन ब्रिंग अ बॉडीज बैक इन टू बैलेंस विथ वेलनेस ईच एपिसोड ऑफ वेलनेस बाइट्स कंटेन्स वंडरफुल इन्फॉर्मेशन ऑन फूड्स एट हेयर आयुर्वेदा न्यूट्रिशन फॉर माइंड एंड बॉडी health and well-being through this platform we will be inviting health and wellness experts sharing their wisdom and professionals from our community to share their mantra for fitness hi i'm your host gauri junarkar founder of ayun nutrition inviting you to get inspired by these talks to work towards your self-care stay tuned and keep listening to wellness bites with gauri Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Wellness Bites with Gauri. Hi, I'm Gauri Junarkar, founder of Eye Nutrition, and today in our episode we have a very special guest and one of my very good friends, Tulsi Desai. She's not only a licensed physical therapist, but she also specializes in women's health and pelvic floor health as well. So, welcome to our show, Tulsi. Thank you so much for having me, Gauri. It's a pleasure. Okay, so Tulsi, uh, tell me. tell our viewers more about you and what makes tulsi unique um so my name is tulsi desai i'm a physical therapist and i spe- uh, i'm a specialist in women's health and uh, pelvic for pelvic health um now most people don't even know what that is they just think physical therapy is physical therapy you go and exercise but physical therapy has a lot of subspecialty orthopedic neuro pediatrics geriatrics so women's health is basically gynecological uh problems uh obstet uh, and pregnancy related postpartum related menopause related but some of those problems can be treated by treating the muscles and body alignment and mechanism um and as well as nervous system and that could be treated with physical therapy and we can avoid so many surgeries uh injections and unnecessary procedures or or even painkillers that people take because they are in chron- they are chronically in pain um so that's what i specialize in and a lot of regular physical therapists are not trained in that um there is an internal component that we address and uh, and when i say internal inside the pelvis so when you go to gynecologist and they do some internal examination um physical therapists who are specialist in uh, women's health and pelvic health they can actually treat internally um to to reach those muscles which are not easily detectable from outside so when you go to a regular physical therapist or personal trainer they may not even be able to find a problem when they can't touch the muscle from outside so that's where we need a specialist addressing these problems and uh, it doesn't have to be a major problem like organs prolapsing or anything like that sometimes chronic low back pain that doesn't go away after pregnancy or after delivering the baby or after c section can also be coming from pelvic area but it it looks like low back pain or it looks like sciatica and shooting pain in the leg and then people keep going back to physical therapy and surgeons and doctors every 6 months because they everything comes back so 
um, pelvic floor physical therapy or women's health physical therapy, there is there is some difference there too, but um, it's much more in-depth and it's much more specialization um, where when treated correctly and when we treat the root cause of the problem, people get better faster as well as they can have long-term recovery because they're not dealing with the same problem every six months, needing to go to chiropractor for regular adjustments or needing to take the steroid injections in their spine or wherever to relieve the pain. So I hope I did the justice. On yes, absolutely. You. Because, you know, um, this is very unique to hear about this, um, Tulsi, because, you know, not a lot of us are aware yeah. about the pelvic uh, health uh, pelvic floor health especially i know that a lot of times uh, you know when you go to the ob guys and think we're not heard about it so definitely yeah. this is something that's going to benefit a lot of women when they uh, hear it so yeah. uh, Tulsi, what made you come to this um, field what drew you to this field yeah so um i'll start from the beginning i graduated from india um and i had my bachelor's in physical therapy from india then i came to us and did my masters from california um and then i started working like anybody else i got a job and i started working in um, outpatient orthopedic and i would treat a lot of patients um, for low back pain shoulders knee post-surgical replacements and all kind of all kind of uh, musculoskeletal muscles and bones problem bone problems or joint problems um, I started noticing that some patients just would not get better the same way everybody else would. So if, if I had a back pain patient, um, they would feel good after I treat them for two, three, for two, three days after the treatment, and then everything comes back. I, and we couldn't figure out what were we missing because the same treatment will get other people get better, faster. Um, and, and as I learn more uh, and gain more experience, I realized um, there is a field specialty called pelvic floor physical therapy and where we learned so much more about the connection of pelvis with body above and body below because that's literally a centerpiece connecting top and bottom. Um, and when I started training myself, taking extra courses um, to understand what was I missing, and then I started treating patients with this new knowledge, the results are tremendously different and more effective and patients don't come back complaining of the same pain. Um, and it's life changing. So that's, I took my time to see where I wanted to specialize because this is something once any of us, when we specialize in something, there is, we put in a lot of hard work and you want to make sure this is something you want to do for the rest of your life. So I took my time for a few years. Uh, I just practiced as a general physical therapist, like primary care physician, before you decide to become a cardiologist or gynecologist. Mm. Uh, so I, 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 and I also wanted my foundation to be strong before I become a specialist so I can connect all the dots and not just keep looking at one part and miss other areas. So um, my approach is very much holistic now. I look at the whole body. So even if somebody comes in with knee pain, I'm not just going to look at the knee. I'm going to look at mm. them from head to toe. Um, and my evaluations are two hours long for that reason because I don't want to miss any connection that could be still, or leave any loopholes where patients would regress back to the way they were or end up needing surgeries. Uh, because my goal is to help them prevent surgeries, injections, unnecessary procedures, or being on painkillers forever. I mean, as a, you, we both know how like long-term mm -hmm. consequences and side effects of being on painkillers, um, even to their gut and uh, digestive health. So. I think prevention is better than cure. And if we can detect the problems early on, or if we can make sure that we are not leaving any loopholes, we can prevent a lot of long-term health consequences um, that affect other systems too. 
And I can go into more detail um, details on that as we talk about different problems on pelvic floor. So wonderful, um, Tulsi. I mean, that is um, absolutely great to hear that you specialize in you know the pelvic uh, health floor. Uh, and and to know that you're very passionate about that and even to know that you know you go in depth when it comes to assessment and things because that's what we want is we want we want, we want uh, clinicians who you know do in-depth assessment and things and look at the whole uh, person and just not focus on just one particular thing so that's absolutely great to hear so uh, Tulsi one question that comes to my mind is um, what is a woman's health uh, pelvic therapy and is that different from the pelvic floor health physical therapy? Yeah, so uh, women's health physical therapy and pelvic floor or pelvic health physical therapy, most people don't know the difference. They think it's all one and the same. So women's health is anything. It could be breast health. It could be breast cancer. You're anything related to, so it could be mm. menopause uh, and the hormonal changes that affect body, hot flashes and all that hormonal imbalance in the body. Mm. Um, and all of that is women's health. Now, pelvic health is just one component of being a woman and mm. women's health. So it's it's a pelvic floor is a smaller portion of women's health. Mm. And a lot of therapists would only have training in how to treat pelvic floor, but they may not understand all the other aspects of women's health and mm. how that can interact with each other. Um, so... For example, diet is also part of women's health or hormones. Hmm. I don't necessarily go treat those components, but I have training in that. And I understand all those components uh, of being a woman and how different stages of life affect different systems in a woman's body. So for example, when they go through menopause or postpartum, hmm. immediately until they get a period back, the hormonal changes are almost same as postpartum. Uh, menopausal changes. So the bone density can be affected. The muscle strength can be affected based on how much estrogen is available in the body and mm. how, how much uh, bone uh, formation is happening or density itself. Um, and a lot of times when people don't have that knowledge, they may miss out on signs of when to send a patient to a nutritionist or when to send a patient to an endocrinologist if there are major mm. hormonal imbalances. So during my evaluation, I'm screening a lot of things. I like literally one hour goes into just talking to the patient. Uh, mm. Even before I agree to work with a patient, I don't accept any walk-ins because I, it's a specialty clinic. I, and especially during COVID, I don't want people walking in anyway, but it's more like a boutique clinic where only when you have an appointment schedule, you can come to my clinic. Um, I won't be even there if there is no appointment schedule. So there's no point walking in. But I screen patients over the phone. And if I find any red flags or if I feel like, you know what? I can be, I can help you, but you do mm. need to get this four thing screen uh, with your physician or with your gynecologist or with your endocrinologist, whatever it is. Uh, and, and I actually guide them, you know what, go to this place, or if you already have a gynecologist, go and get this test done. Um, and whatever else the gynecologist think needs to be done before I can treat you, because I don't want to miss out on things and waste your time when you should be doing something else that would be more effective. So I don't, take on a patient just because I can help them. I do screen them to make sure, is this the best way to help them? Or is there a different um, medical professional that is going to be help, able to help them better? So if I feel somebody's calling me for chronic constipation, pelvic floor physical therapy can help with that. Hmm. But if, if I'm asking them questions and I realize they need to first fix their diet and see if that will solve the problem, it may hmm. not be pelvic floor issue hmm. and we may not have to work on it. So then I may say, you know, you need to go see Gauri or, or, whoever is in their network uh, or if they already have one person, but 
I may not be the best option to start with, mm. but once they have consulted you and you have already given them diet plan and screen them and make sure that nothing is missing and they're still suffering from constipation, then we can look at pelvic mm. floor. So it really depends on what is their history, how traumatic was their pregnancy or if they had mm. any fracture and is that interfering with their muscles and nervous system that's leading to constipation. So, mm. uh, Pelvic floor physical therapy is just related to pelvis and low back area, the hip and pelvis and low back area. But women's health physical therapy is the whole body, the hormones, every single system in the woman's body. Um, and that's where the difference lies. And I specialize in both. So that's that's great um, to know that, uh, Tulsi. I mean, the, I, I love the way you explain the difference between the woman's health physical therapy versus uh, more specialized which is a pelvic health, uh, pelvic floor um, health, uh, physical therapy. And again, you know, uh, what you do and how you spend more time and things as well. So that is absolutely wonderful to know. Other question that comes to my mind is um, who needs to see a pelvic floor specialist and why? Okay, so every woman, um, there, there are different kinds of pelvic floor problems um, and or dysfunctions. And in general, um, if somebody wants to know, when do I know I need to go see, what if I don't have a problem, but I want to prevent problems. So any woman who has had a, a baby or a pregnancy. So let's say somebody was pregnant and lost a baby. They don't have a baby now, but they still went through the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So the, even if it's just few weeks, a body went through changes and pelvic floor went, went through changes. The nervous system went through changes of carrying a baby for whatever length of time. But if somebody had a baby, so that means they delivered either vaginally or through C-section, hmm. it's, it's basically a surgery. C-section hmm. is a surgery. It's actually a major procedure. If somebody goes through tummy tuck, it's a major surgery. C-section is also a surgery where they have to suture everything. And mo most, most medical professionals don't even look at it as surgery. So if somebody hmm. goes through knee replacement, hmm they go through rehab after that. Mm. So any woman who have had, had who has given a birth um, should get pelvic floor evaluated after every single pregnancy because every single mm. pregnancy is different, every single delivery is different and the trauma that happens to the pelvic area and the abdomen and the abdominal muscles and the low back and the postural changes are different every single time. So in France and some of the European countries where the healthcare is more socialized, they actually... Uh, have a standard gold standard practice where every woman gets some form of pelvic floor physical therapy after every single pregnancy. We just don't have that here, but I, mm. that should be the ideal practice that uh, women should go through um, pelvic floor evaluation before they go back to fitness or before they go back to work to make sure that they are healing, they are recovering the way they should. Um, their abdominal muscles get separated for for some women and it doesn't recoil back to or heal back to the way it should be. And that's where some women have this bulging belly and doesn't matter how much they work out or diet, the belly doesn't ever go back to the normal uh, alignment or shape or, or firmness um, or tone. Because if their muscles are separating when they're actually exercising and they don't have the, the deeper muscles activating, they, are, they keep creating the separation and the belly is just bulging constantly. So um, any woman who is experiencing any kind of sexual pain, so pain with penetration or pain with gynecological examination or pain with trying to use tampons, insertion of tampons, uh, all of those things could indicate a pelvic floor dysfunction. It's more than likely it's pelvic floor dysfunction than anything else. So actually that should be first screened uh, than going for unnecessary testing. And um, 
but unfortunately in our medical system they go through every test before they were they are ever recommended pelvic floor physical therapy and it it adds to the healthcare costs as well as patients go through so much of their time money resources wasted and the mental peace that is lost by doing all this uh, vaginal ultrasound like why do you need to do vaginal ultrasound when we can obviously detect it's a muscular dysfunction why can't we just treat the muscle so i uh, a lot of unnecessary MRIs, X-rays, um, and ultrasound, and all those tests are done to make sure it's not a cancer. Like that can be done by if it's a young patient, and you can take history and you can screen a lot of things. And if it's a simple pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, and we treat it and it gets better, why are we running all these very very expensive tests? So um, any sexual dysfunction for women, um, any uh, bladder issues, so frequency, urgency, urinary frequency, urgency. Um, leakage, uh, all of that is considered, or difficulty emptying the bladder or hesitancy starting the urine stream. Um, all those could be signs of pelvic floor not functioning the way it should because pelvic floor actually controls the bladder. It has, it plays a role. So if, if pelvic floor is not working the way it should, people would leak urine or they, they could leak feces too. So any kind of uh, incontinence um, uh, is a uh, could be treated with pelvic floor. Now that's where I treat, I screen people over the phone because sometimes they really need to see a doctor and not pelvic floor physical therapist. So getting them in my office is waste of their time and my time when they really need to go get some testing done. Or if I'm suspecting by what they're telling me, if I suspect it could be cancer or something th that doesn't sound right, we might want to do those testing. But um, can we can we un stop unnecessary testing? That's my goal of screening people over the phone to make sure I'm able to help them uh, or guide them in the right direction. Um, and then there are, uh, there are issues like abdominal muscle separation, uh, digestive problems. Sometimes they are a result of pelvic floor uh, dysfunction. And um, that's where a lot of times diet changes may help a little, but it's still not fixing the problem. Then we need to look at is something going on with the muscular and nervous system? And can we use a multi-factorial uh, approach where multiple healthcare professionals come as team and communicate with each other. So I know like if you have a patient that I need to treat, we both always will communicate, we do that. Or if I send you a patient, you will always let me know, look, this is what I saw. But a lot of times that's not done. And the patient has to be the messenger between those two clinicians. Oh, she said this, he said this. Why don't we just talk to each other directly and then figure out what's the best plan for this patient? So I am a big proponent of directly talking to the other clinicians and not let the patient do all the work when needed because what we can directly discuss is not what the patient is going to be. It's not their profession. They're 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 here to get better. Um, so I think these are the major problems I can say. Uh, if somebody's experiencing any of these symptoms, bowel, bladder, sexual dysfunction, or chronic low back pain, uh, any bone density issues, uh, endometriosis, um, they, and, or anybody who has had pregnancy, miscarriage, they should see pelvic floor physical therapist. Okay. I mean, you touched up on a lot of points, especially I know that because, you know, there's not a lot of awareness. I will tell you that, Tulsi, when it comes to the pelvic floor um, health and even specialists uh, like yourself who exist here, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and things. And, you know, that um, women can easily avail of that service and thing that, and we are really not aware of, you yeah. know, because a lot of times you're just trying to figure out what's going on and things as, you know, so that's really good of you to, you know, touch base on some of these points. So the question that also arises then, Tulsi, is that, you know, um, do postpartum women also need to see a pelvic health specialist? And 
why is it? Is, is there something to do with the pregnancy or is, does it have to do anything, you know, if, especially if there's multiple pregnancies involved in things? What is your take on that? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that, but let, let me cover something first before uh, we go there, because I think people need to have some understanding on what mm. pelvic floor is. Uh, I kept talking about the problems, but I haven't explained what is it, what is normal. Correct, correct. People need to understand what's normal before they can understand, oh, that's not normal. Maybe I should go see somebody or I should look up online and read more about it. Uh, by the way, my website has a lot of free videos and uh, uh, articles that I've written for magazines. So people can go and learn more on mm. my website as well. If they want to understand what is pelvic floor, uh, how can it affect the neck? because I've treated so many patients who have chronic neck pain and mm -hmm. they kept going to other clinicians, acupuncture and physical therapy and chiropractic for neck until they came to me because one of their friend, best friend sees me. And then we start treating their abdominals and their diastasis recti, which is the abdominal muscle separation and pelvic floor and their neck starts getting better. And I haven't even touched their neck. Mm. So that's biomechanics because body is a chain. Like all the joints are connected from head to toe, like everything is connected. So there have been even case studies where right ankle fracture will lead to left shoulder problem a few years down the road diagonally because we, we use our body in the space diagonally. So if I want to rotate to my right side, my left hip, knee and ankle needs to allow me to go this way. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people don't see that. And that is why the entire body needs to be screened regardless of why the patient is coming in for, uh, just to make sure we are not missing out on past injuries that are affecting their function. Um, so like, for example, I have had patients where they had breast implants and then it bursted and they had multiple surgeries on the left side. So the left rib cage wasn't moving properly. And then they started having same side pelvic floor issues because the mobility of the trunk was affected and the length of a muscle is now affected. And when a muscle length is not optimal, it will still affect the strength and flexibility which nobody thinks about. People think they should do Kegels and squeeze the muscles and all that. But first of all, we need to know, is it even aligned properly to, to use, to be efficient? Um, so pelvic floor is, pelvis is basically the hip area, the, the round uh, bone. Um, and I will show it for the people who would be watching the video. I think uh, the podcast listeners um, will hopefully be able to imagine or just go on my website and look it up uh, or go to your YouTube channel. Um, so this is pelvis, it's, it's bones all around. But if you look at the top and the bottom, it's a, it's a tunnel. There is nothing supporting the bottom. So all the organs, uh, uterus, bladder, ovaries, uh, rectum and, and blood supply and everything, all the structures that are inside the pelvis would fall off uh, because gravity would um, pull it all down. So pelvic floor muscles are there. You can see it, how big these muscles are. They are the ones holding everything. So it's like a hammock uh, or, a, or a trampoline uh, that's, is, that's very flexible. And it can, as we run, as we walk, as we bend, as we pick up things, or as the baby starts getting bigger, it can stretch and it can recoil back and it can do a lot of things. It's very elastic. Um, so pelvic floor muscles have deeper layer and then superficial layer. So superficial layer has its own function too, and that can lead to a lot of sexual pain uh, or based on what we are dealing with, let's say if somebody had episiotomy, generally this layer is what's, uh, episiotomy is the cut or tearing that happens when delivering the baby. Um, 
and that can lead to a lot of pain too and that can change and people can start clenching their pelvic floor constantly and they're just not able to relax it this person doing a squeeze is only going to make it worse so kegels exercise um it's basically clenching your pelvic floor and, and trying to make it stronger. Some people need to not do that because they're constantly doing that and they're not relaxing it. And, and, and that's what we assess. Are they overusing the muscle or are they underusing the muscle? Do they have full length of the muscle or do they have, is it all, is it very stretched out or is it short and we need to give it a length before it can. So if I show you my biceps, if it's not fully after fracture, if, if it's short, um, because it was in a sling for six weeks or 12 weeks or whatever, I need to first make sure I have full length before I can pick up that 10 pound of potato bag efficiently. If it's, if it's stuck here, I will have to use my neck to tr create the same amount of force. So this is called physics and mechanics, uh, mechanism of how every joint and muscle functions. So same thing for muscles inside the pelvis, they're attached to certain bones. And if somebody has had tailbone issue or fracture, it's such a tiny bone at the end of the spine, but pelvic floor muscles attach there. So if somebody had a fracture or they fell on their butt during childhood, which I get those stories so many times, people even forgot they ever fell until I start asking more questions. And they're like, oh, I remember I couldn't sit for a week, but then I was in high school and I just forgot about it. Nothing was done. But since then they, have had some changes going on the muscle length has changed and then they go through pregnancy and now they have so many issues because they already had dysfunctional pelvic floor before they ever conceived the baby but because young kids and teenagers are um they bounce back so easily from injuries that they forget and parents no and nobody has awareness that these things need to be evaluated but uh, young girls can have giggle incontinence. That means that when they laugh a lot, they can they can pee their pants. That could be an early sign that she may end up having pelvic floor, either has pelvic floor dysfunction or will end up having pelvic floor dysfunction. It might be worth getting her checked um, or just get evaluated. And if a young girl is not sexually active or hasn't had gynecological evaluation, we would not do internal. Uh, and we would need, a, especially if it's underage, um, Kid, we would need a parent uh, in the office. Uh, we can't do it alone. Um, and then if, if any girl has difficulty inserting tampons, so if they can't insert the tampon or it's very painful and they are almost crying, um, that is early on sign, even if they're not sexually active, that they have pelvic floor dysfunction going on and they will end up having probably sexual pain or eventually more complicated pregnancy or a lot of tearing during the delivery, uh, vaginal uh, delivery of the baby if the tissue is really tight and if muscles are not coordinated. So I'm just saying what are the early signs so that mm. we don't have to wait until the damage is too much after delivering the baby because I generally end up seeing those cases because for the last 15, 20 years, they didn't know they had a problem. So mm. there is not enough awareness. I am hoping this kind of uh, podcast interviews and uh, other clinicians can start help spreading awareness. Um, a lot of gynecologists know about pelvic floor physical therapy. They don't even talk about it. They don't ever refer patients, unfortunately. There are some who are very well aware. They work as a team, but there are some who just don't, I don't know why they don't send their patients to physical therapy first, which is very holistic. And, and there are better long-term results than trying to operate on somebody, fix things passively, and then gravity is still going to work on them. And then eventually the surgery fails. So, um, I think patients need to be empowered and they need to educate themselves. So when they are given option by some of the doctors who are saying, let's remove your uterus 
or let's just lift your bladder up uh, because you're leaking urine or organs are prolapsing into the vagina, they can advocate for themselves that, you know what, I have never tried physical therapy. I want to try that first and see if, if I can prevent surgery uh, because these are major surgeries and there is a higher uh, recurrence rate. That means the surgery fails and then things start falling out again and then they need second surgery or they'll just go remove the organ, which is not a, the best way to treat it. Um, I probably got sidetracked, but I was trying to, I think I was trying to explain what pelvic floor is, but um, so these muscles are extremely important. They're also very big muscles. They're not like tiny neck muscles where it won't mm. affect it drastically. Um, the, the effects can be drastic and lifelong. Um, and a lot of times once nervous system forgets what it's supposed to do naturally, we have to retrain it sometimes. Uh, it's And pregnancy and postpartum is normalized so much that women just think, oh yeah, I, I leak urine since I had babies uh, and I'm just going to live like that or I'm going to wear diapers or pads or whatever. Um, the, there are doctors who would say, you know, you had three babies. What do you think? Like, just live with it. When you're ready for surgery, come back. And mm -hmm. this is not an exaggeration. I have heard this from so many patients. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very sad that people are just not given options and told to live a mediocre or, or um, compromised life. Because mm -hmm. Urine leakage can lead to uh, recurrent, recurring UTIs, urinary tract infections, because if somebody's underwear is constantly wet, even if it's not leaking out and in, they're not socially embarrassed, it's keeping that area wet. And then eventually the day when your immunity is slightly compromised, you'll end up having UTI. So there, mm. I have had patients where they were getting chronic UTIs. They were on antibiotics for six weeks every, every two months, uh, which is not good for gut. You know that. Um, mm. And somehow they end up finding somebody or reading something online and then they find me and we treat them and their UTIs start uh, getting better or they stop having UTIs altogether. I'm not saying every UTI patient should go, first go to physical therapy, but the ones who are having multiple in a year, if it's once a year, it may be random random incident and you just needed antibiotics and you're, you're good to go. But if it's every few months or if it's really multiple times a year, they should look into what is really causing it? Are they leaking? And is that the reason and not really anything else? Because they don't need to be on antibiotics so many times in a year. Um, so pelvic floor is very important and pregnancy can take a toll. Pregnancy is take, the body changes that happen during pregnancy are much more than running a marathon. So if somebody's training for a marathon, they're not going through so many changes that a pregnant woman goes through every time she carries a baby. And that involves the heart, the circulatory system, the, the urinary system, uh, kidneys and everything, because everything has to support this additional human inside your body, uh, bones and muscles and joints, everything is, has to adjust to it and take that additional load of carrying the baby and delivering the baby. So if, it, if you consider marathon, nobody starts running a marathon without ever training. I mean, by now people know if they don't train and, and the ones who start training, uh, start running a marathon without training, they're not going to make it. They're going to end up having knee pain or fall down or ankle sprain or something that will go wrong. And they'll learn that, oh, I, sh I should maybe strengthen myself. So why are we not doing that for women? Why are we normalizing giving birth to babies and having all these lifelong problems? Um, and that's where they need to be educated and given resources. And they shouldn't be treated as second-class citizen because we make up 50% of world population, we should be treated better for our health. And, and you know, basically women look after their families, even if they are working women, they, in general, across the world, even in countries where men tend to help more, like in United States, it's still primarily women's responsibility to uh, all, all the house, house, house chores and 
kids and taking care of meals and all that, regardless of how successful she is or how much she worked. Like she could be working 40, 60 hours and still do more at home than the men. So when are, there is so much on women's plate, why do we not give them better health care and better health options and make sure they are in their best fit shape so they can now uh, fight the other battles that they have to fight in their life but, uh, versus being exhausted because hormonal, hormones are imbalanced or the, the diet is not well or their body, the muscles are not functioning well. And they're, sometimes when the, the core muscles are not functioning well, the secondary muscles have to work so hard that it, it is exhausting. Imagine asking a one year or five year old to carry a 10 pound bag versus asking an adult to carry a 10 pound bag. The adult is not going to be tired and the five year old will barely move it an inch because it's too much weight. So asking a wrong structure to do a, a, a very heavy job will be exhausting too. So there are moms who come to, or women in general, uh, come to my clinic, we start strengthening their muscles and they start using their body more efficiently they feel more energetic all day long because they're not expanding as much energy to do the same task, like picking her child up or giving a bath because it, she has to put in less efforts now. So it, it, any improvement in a person's life, uh, whether it's diet, hormones, uh, bone health or muscle health um, or posture will flow over to every aspect of their life. They'll start feeling better. They'll feel like, oh, I feel so much better in my body. I want to start exercising. And that will have so much better positive effect on their mind, body, spirit, everything. So a lot of times there are moms who were very fit before pregnancy. And then now because after pregnancy, they are leaking, uh, they're embarrassed. They don't want to go to fitness class and leak or lose gas uh, unexpectedly. It's embarrassing. So they've stopped fitness because they don't want to be in a compromised situation. Uh, if we can just help them have normal function, now they can go back to a workout class. So it may seem like, yeah, it's just a, a drop here and there that I'm leaking, but what they don't see is you're, you're adjusting your life around your pain or around your leakage or around your inability to do whatever you were able to do before having a child. You're, and no wonder then we see all these women in their fifties and they, they are out of shape. Um, they have been neglecting themselves so much. And the ones who want to take care of themselves are not getting the right resources. It takes a woman average six to eight years to find a pelvic floor therapist, or even to learn there is an option for pelvic floor therapy before uh, they get any help because they have been going to doctors. And once you have a doctor, you trust, you generally trust them for two, three years before you realize, you know what, this person is just not listening to me. It has been a long time. I need to change my doctor. So by the time you go to the third or fourth doctor, or you meet somebody, like if, you, if they meet you because you're aware about pelvic health, they learn about it. And then they've already wasted six to eight years of their time. Um, I have a friend um, who has diastasis recti for last eight years because her older kid is eight years old. And every time she goes to the gynecologist, so after a first pregnancy, she was told she has this muscle separation. And um, she asked the doctor, what do I do about it? And she, the doctor is like, oh yeah, just you're still very early postpartum. It will get better. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Every year she goes for her well woman's exam and she asks, is the muscle still separated? And she's being told, yes, it's still being separate. It's still separate. It's not healed. And then she's like, what can I do? And she's never given a resource that you can go to pelvic floor physical therapist who will help you heal that separation. She's just told there's nothing you can do. I mean, you're living a life, normal life. That's fine. And she didn't know I, I existed or somebody like me existed until our kids went to the same daycare. Um, and then she learned about it by looking at my Facebook and all that. Um, 
so it's unfortunate that she went through seven to eight years of not knowing what she could do and and the the mental disturbance that happens because she knows there is something wrong with her body she doesn't want to hurt herself so she doesn't want to go work out what if this separation gets worse and now she ends up having a hernia so and then she ended up having incidents where she had complete uh, loss of urine control randomly and and that freaked her out so it's just so much shame and and when things like this happen in public places it, it can be traumatic uh, psychologically you don't i don't think anybody wants to and an, as an adult wants to be in that situation um it can also a lot of women are also very conscious or feel their self esteem gets affected when they leak urine during um if they're leaking urine anyway but sometimes it happens during uh, intimate moments with their partner and they don't want to feel that way or feel gross everybody wants to feel sexy and empowered and um, it rolls this kind of problems rolls flow over into every aspect of your life whether you realize it or not and then people start adjusting and compromising their lives around uh, this problem so women with uh, urinary leakage also generally have frequency where they just need to go pee every few every half hour one hour as soon as they get home they need to literally go use the restroom right away they can't wait 5 minutes uh, as soon as they get to work even though they went home uh, peeing i mean they peed at home and then half hour driving distance as soon as they get to the work they have to use the restroom immediately as soon as the meeting is over or before the meeting starts they just go use it for just in case a lot of these are signs that their pelvic floor is not and that's why they don't feel confident in their body and then they just use the restroom for just in case there are women who stop traveling long distance because they don't want to take 10 pauses in 2 hour trip whatever um they are they are compromising their life around their health problems which can be easily treated holistically just by improving neuromuscular coordination and addressing the root cause of the problem So Tulsi, you explained this really very well. You know, with the pelvic floor, and you know, uh, you know, uh, especially for us women, right? We are not even aware that all these things exist, and we keep thinking, you know, if it's a lower back pain, it has something to do. You know, I'll just go and get, you know, uh, the doctor to come and just look at it and stuff, and maybe it'll just go away. And we don't even correlate for the way you explained, for example. And I really like the the example you gave, especially for a, a kid who's just five year old. You know, imagine him carrying a ten pound weight versus an adult uh, yeah. carrying a ten pound weight. What's the difference going to be? So, especially for the muscles as well. So I really like that um, example. It was I just got a visual. Of that. Yeah. So that is a very good example. Because because if I keep using the medical terminology, it's very complicated, and people get overwhelmed, and it can be intimidating. You know what? I I don't know what she does. I just don't want to go there. It's like it's cuckoo. Uh, until we simplify it to so that it makes sense to people that that makes sense. If my bigger muscles are not working and doing their job, my smaller muscles are already always tired, and then mm. I feel exhausted because I have to spend so much energy to do the. to do for every single activity versus if i had muscular efficiency then i have better productivity throughout my day so um and and during my my physical therapy treatment sessions based on what a patient is dealing with um i simplify things as much as possible because i want them to understand their own body mm. i also teach so many things to patients uh tips and tricks and postural uh tips if their if their job requires prolonged sitting or bending we make sure they are learning the right technique so they can make better decisions in their day to day life when i'm not around them because what happens with a lot of physical therapy treatment people go there they they are put on electrical stimulation and hot pack and all these machines 
you don't have that at home. What are you going to do without that? And at the end, that's just like putting on a Band-Aid. You feel good for while you're on the machine and maybe for the next day. But then what about the rest of the other days for in the week where you're doing all the things wrong? So if unless you learn how to use your body correctly and the mechanism and the reasoning behind it, you can't make your own decision. So my patients, once they have learned how to sit properly, what, what kind of positions put nerve at a stretch, what kind of positions put nerve in a relaxed position, they can go for a 10 hour uh, drive, a cross country drive or whatever, and they are not flaring up their sciatica because they know how to adjust their posture and what they need to do when they take the bathroom break or whatever, so that they can continue for three more hours without any flare ups. So if we can prevent things from getting worse, we don't have to treat them in the first place. So uh, there is a lot of education that happen when patients work with me because I want them to be independent uh, by the time I discharge them and, and know how to manage their health and not be dependent on me. That doesn't mean two years later, they won't come in with a new problem. Then they'll need to, because I, I mean, they're not gonna become a physical therapist in one, tre one treatment uh, experience, but at least the existing problem, they should be pro at how to manage their own body for that particular problem. And let's make sure it's completely recovered and then it never comes back uh, unless there is a new injury or uh, a new condition. So very, very well explained, um, Tulsi. Um, so question that I have then is that when it comes to the your pelvic floor dysfunction, is it something we see in certain age group or is it common in different age groups? And again, will physical therapy help with that? What is your take on that? Yeah, so um, one in, give me a second. Um, I always forget the statistics, but I'll tell you actually some numbers, which will give you an insight into how common these problems are. So 80% of women after vaginal delivery will have some kind of tearing. Uh, so they'll have, either they'll have episiotomy where they put a cut or they'll naturally tear. And there are grading of the tearing. So there is there is just the skin that tears or maybe skin and the layer under it or the skin and the muscle. And the last, the worst form of tearing is from the vag vagina all the way to rectum. That means now there is, there is a connection between the vagina and the rectum. And, and that's the worst kind of tearing anybody can have. And then they need surgical suturing immediately. They'll be taken into the OR and they'll be sutured um, because that's a major tear. Um, so if somebody had anything more than grade two tearing, where it's not just the skin, but deeper layers, they should get pelvic floor physical therapy regardless. But ideally every woman after every single pregnancy should get, get evaluated. If they did not, but then they want to get pregnant again, let's do it before you conceive because then we can still fix all of those things that are out of alignment. So you're ready and your body is optimally ready for the next pregnancy and a healthier pregnancy, less complications, as well as less complications during delivery because you have already prepared yourself for that marathon that you're going to run rather than start running the marathon and figure out now I have all these problems, but I cannot stop running because it's already on the way, right? So you can't take the baby out and treat the problem. Like then you just have to wait until you deliver the baby. Also during pregnancy, there are so many problems, back pain, neck pain, uh, um, feeling heaviness in the pelvis or sciatica, uh, like pain shooting down the, down the leg or pain radiating down the leg. We can treat a lot of those things as well during pregnancy, but it's best when somebody is non-pregnant because there are no precautions that I have to take. Uh, during pregnancy, based on what's going on, we may be limited. We cannot use certain techniques. So at the end, at any stage, in any condition, we can help patients. But ideal would be 
if they know they have giggle incontinence, they have they have painful gynecological examination, they have painful sex. Before they even try to conceive baby, let's treat it. Painful sex is not normal. Any pain with sex is not normal. Maybe the first time somebody has it because the, they, they have never done it, it could be slightly painful. But after initial two, three encounters, it should never be painful if there is any pain, superficial or deep at any stages of having sex. That is a medical condition that needs to be treated. And when people feel, you know what, I can just bear through it. I don't have time for treatment. It will lead to some complications during pregnancy and how you deliver your baby. Because imagine a small object going in causing pain, a big head coming out of that small tunnel is going to cause a lot of trauma. So if people want to prevent problems, they should look at what are the early signs of pelvic floor dysfunctions, which I have mentioned multiple times in this podcast. So um, I think if they can just pay attention to their own body, listen to their body, pain is our friend. If there is something that hurts, your body has already tried coping with whatever dysfunction was going on and it's not coping any longer. It's actually telling you red flag, pay attention to this. Otherwise you're going to cause damage to yourself. So I don't like to mask pain for a long time. Like let's say you have a meeting, you woke up with neck pain. Okay, fine, take a painkiller and go attend your meeting, but then don't ignore it for next three months. Like go either get physical therapy or go see a doctor. Uh, but if it's not going away for in adults, if something doesn't go away in three to four weeks, the pain may go away, but the dysfunction is it will still stay because we are not kids anymore. We don't bounce back as easily. Uh, we better take care of it. So that's my gold, golden rule for patients. If they want to know when to call me, if something is bothering you if, at, at three weeks or four weeks since it started, the sooner you address it, the less things we have to treat. The longer you wait, the more complications or a, more dysfunction set in, let's say somebody starts with neck pain, then their rib cage starts getting involved and they have stiff rib cage, then their shoulders may start getting involved, then their nerve starts getting irritated because they are being strained and this can start having uh, uh, burning or radiating pain in their arms. Now I have way too many things to treat before we can get to the actual neck pain because other things have set in. So if, if they would have come four to at four weeks or even like second week, if somebody doesn't want to waste time, it would just be the neck pain that I have to treat because other secondary problems haven't even set in. So of course, sooner the better, but better late than never. Uh, so anytime people realize that, okay, I learned that urine leakage is not normal, pain with sex is not normal, and I have been dealing with it for this many months or this many years, we can still help you and we can still get you to normal functioning uh, body, but you have to make time for yourself. You have to make yourself a priority and you have to invest in yourself. And women are not good at doing any of them including us. I mean, I, I have done that. Uh, and I, sometimes I realize, you know what, I tell this to my patients and I'm doing that to myself. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow what I preach. So it's being mindful and, and having that mind body connection and, um, not taking your body for granted because at the end, your kids will grow up and they'll move out. Your husband will have his own life. Uh, when he retires, he'll go out with his friends or whatever, but you'll be stuck in a painful compromised body that has all these health issues and surgeries and all that. Um, so people should pay attention to themselves, then they can serve others around them better too. Uh, if a mom is healthy, the baby is going to get so much better attention. She's not going to be yelling at them all the time, feeling resentment. You were born and I have all these problems. <laughs> so I was going, I was talking about the statistics. So one in 10 women have incontinence, urinary incontinence postpartum. Uh, and there is increased chances of organ prolapse if somebody had pregnancy and uh, delivery. 
doesn't matter what form of delivery, but definitely vaginal delivery requires pushing versus if a scheduled C-section, a, a person never even pushed, right? So of course there, there's a difference in mechanism and people who have had C-section can have organ prolapse too, uh, but women who have had vaginal delivery, especially multiple deliveries, have higher chances of organ prolapsing out of their vagina. Um, and initially it starts with the symptoms of feeling heaviness in that area, feeling heavy around the pelvic area, or when they are uh, trying to pee or poop, they feel heaviness, or when they're working out. Those are early signs. If I can get a patient at that time, we can even reverse it, or we can stop it from progressing, versus they can already see it at the entrance, if they can see the organ at the vaginal entrance um, physically, it might be too late or we may not be able to reverse it, but we may be able to maintain them where they are so they don't end up with surgery. Um, but a lot of tissue has already stretched out by then. There, there is too much, some damage that has already happened. So again, there are grading for that too. And uh, that would be between me and the gynecologist uh, to decide what's the best option for that patient do they should they directly go into surgery but anybody who has hysterectomy c-section any kind of abdominal surgery or pelvic surgery appendix removed all of these can uh, or or dnc where somebody missed a baby and they have to remove the parts uh, um or um abortion uh, i mean miscarriage um all of those things interfere with the nervous system and that can lead to abdominal as well as pelvic floor dysfunctions and the abdominal pressure when that's not maintained because muscles are separated or not not activating it leads to everything being pushed down so um, that leads to prolapse as well um, yeah and more uh, women are in general women above 65 years old 50 percent of them have urine leakage they're living with it. Uh, in I think in year 2000, $19.5 billion were spent, healthcare dollars were spent just for bladder incontinence. Now, some of them might be stroke patients who have no body connection, brain body connection because it's damaged, but still a lot of that goes towards the sanitary napkins and uh, the products that people need to maintain hygiene or multi treating multiple UTIs because they are constantly leaking and their undergarments are wet. So that's a huge toll on our healthcare system too, but it goes on to show how many people suffer from bladder incontinence uh, or urine leakage. So a lot of women think I'm the only one, I'm 30 years old or 25 years old and I'm leaking urine, I'm so ashamed. They don't even tell their doctors about it. Now, if you don't mention it, how are you going to get help? They're so embarrassed that only their spouse knows it. Uh, they don't want to talk about it. Also people who have sexual pain, uh, they bear through the pain. They're not enjoying sex. They're just trying to save their relationship or keep the husband happy. You can have pain-free sex. You can actually enjoy it, but at least don't have to pay, bear through pain because chronic pain has mental psychological effect. It can lead to depression. It can affect self-esteem as well as if you have pain, that means there is already a problem going on. It is going to lead to a lot more complications during pregnancy, postpartum, and menopause. So women throughout different stages of their lives go through different problems and they can all be helped. Um, very well, um, you know, explained. You did a really, really great job with explaining that, Tulsi. One more question I have in my mind, and I've heard this term a lot, is diastasis recti. Yeah. What exactly is it and how does uh, physical therapy help with that? Okay, I took a pause so you can actually cut this because I want to show something and I didn't take it with me. Okay. 
Um, that's a really good question, Gauri, and I'm so glad you asked because I did cover on it a little before, but I, it may not be clear to uh, some of the listeners. So diastasis recti is when, when we see um, six-pack muscles, it's like two lines in the center of the abdomen uh, from ribcage to the pelvis. Uh, the six-pack muscle is gets separated 100% of the time by in the last trimester during uh, pregnancy. Now, after delivering the baby, everything starts recoiling back because muscles are elastic tissue. But sometimes for some women, and they're, they're, it's much more common than people realize, it doesn't completely come back to its original position. And then there is a little gapping that happens. And there, that leads to internal abdominal and pelvic pressure not being maintained optimally. And then everything is being pushed out because gravity wants to pull everything out. So if the abdominal muscles are not strong, and they're not closing the gap fully, it is creating that weak spot through which things can come out. So in extreme cases, it can lead to hernia, like gut coming out and they need to actually surgically close that gap. But generally it, that kind of extreme case doesn't happen immediately after delivering the baby. It happens after not treating it for such a long time. So um, ideally every gynecologist should be assessing patient at four or six weeks postpartum when they get the patient in the office after delivering the baby to make sure this gap is not there I, or if it's there uh, how bad is it how many finger separation it is and most clinicians are so focused on how many finger separation it is they don't pay attention to how deep it is because depth is also another consideration. So if women are aware about it, that they have it, these are things we look at. Um, but when the diastasis recti or the abdominal muscle separation is not addressed properly and the abdominal pressure is not managed properly, look at what happens when this pressure gets too much. Organs fall out and the only place that's the weak spot is the vagina for women. So that's where everything comes out and that leads to prolapse. So when women end up having uterine prolapse, bladder prolapse, rectal prolapse, they think, oh, I had babies and I ended up having this. It's actually because the abdomen was never treated properly. So that's where diastasis recti can lead to pelvic floor problems. It can, it can end up being chronic constipation, having to strain all the time. That can also lead to prolapse. So anybody who suffers from chronic, chronic constipation, regardless of what the cause is, can end up having pelvic floor problems and prolapse. Um, and and I have had so many patients where they come in with neck pain. Mm. So they're not complaining about anything. They're like, I just suffer from neck pain. They don't even make the connection that it all started after, after having kids. And they have been to acupuncturists, they have been to chiropractors, physical therapists for 20, 30 sessions. And then they feel good for two, three days and then everything comes back. And then after 30 sessions, they are still as it is. And they just think, you know, she, I mean, most clinicians are really nice. So you, you don't want to blame them for not doing the best job or you don't even know if they could help like some people just think i'm the gone case like there is nothing that can be done for me maybe surgery is the only option and they lose hope but you weren't the root cause of the problem was never treated which is the abdominal muscle separation which is not stabilizing your spine and your head sits on the spine so when the mid back and low back are not stabilized the neck ends up taking being unstable and that leads to chronic neck pain and nerve symptoms in the arm and all that and for those patients, I never treated their neck. I started treating their abdominal muscle separation and the pelvic floor. The neck took care of itself because it wasn't a primary problem to begin with. And massaging the neck and treating the neck was never going to have a long-term uh, benefits. 
So, wow. I mean, you know, it's um, really, it's coming in when you think about it, how everything is connected. Okay. And especially when you explain thing, the example about, especially the neck pain. And again, yeah. you know, how everything is connected and, you know, unless you address those issues first, you know, a uh, lot of times things won't get resulted. So uh, I'm very grateful uh, yeah, and, for and, all and your patients are suffering. Knowledge. Their life, life is suffering. I had one patient where her husband had to help her with everything. She couldn't even lift a pan without shooting pain in her arm. So with cooking, her husband had to help her. And it takes toll on the family too. It, it affects their relationship. It's not just neck pain. It's the life, every aspect of your life. Your sleep quality gets affected because it wakes you up multiple times. And when people don't go into deep sleep cycles, certain hormones are not released in their body. That starts affecting everything else when hormones are affected. That starts affecting uh, mental health. They can feel depressed. They can feel anxious. They can just feel be, be exhausted and feel like, what's wrong with me? So there are so many women who, who are constantly tired. There mm. could be nutrition issue. There could be hormonal issue, but there could actually be a physical issue mm. that's leading to, it's like, uh, an adult carrying a 10 pound bag versus a kid carrying a 10 pound bag. Can we fix the mechanical problem that's getting them tired uh, and they can have better energy throughout the day and work on themselves? So that's, that's just great. I mean, really well explained and, you know, the way that we, you connected all the points together, that was really like a you know, light bulb going off, yeah. you know, all over and, my and, uh, head. That's where it makes sense how the pelvis is the center of the body and it connects the above and below and it can lead to problems above and below. So a neck pain may not be simply neck pain. A back pain may not be a simple back pain. We need to look at all the connections and make sure everything is working as a team. Mm. Uh, and not say, you know, the, the abdominal saying, you have neck pain, abdominals have nothing to do with your neck, but they stabilize your ribcage and your spine and neck is connected to that. So you can't ignore that. Mm. Absolutely. And definitely agree with that, uh, Tulsi. So one of the questions I definitely want to ask you is that what um, wellness tips do you have uh, for our audience? So in terms of giving tips to uh People, I'm, I'm going to cover something general, in general, that everybody can do. And uh, because again, uh, I cannot give medical advice, individualized advice on a common platform where I don't know what the patient is going through. So of course, this may not be an advice for everyone. People need to use their own discretion. And if they have ongoing major problems, they better consult a medical provider and get that one-on-one -on -one consultation. But in general, I always advise people to use Squatty Potty. It's that uh, C-shaped, table, you can find it at Costco, Walmart, all, all these stores. It's called Squatty Potty. And it's like brushing your teeth. It's a habit that we formed. You, you want to brush your teeth so you don't get cavities and problems later on that you have to treat. Squatty Potty actually puts the pelvic floor in an alignment where it can fully relax and then we can have bowel movement or pee or whatever we need to do. Um, so that's something I tell all my patients. I have it in every bathroom in my house so that my son learns that habit from young age and not have to le learn it later on. So squatty body is a great thing that everybody can start using and have better function, pelvic floor function. Um, women who are leaking urine or who think their, their pelvic floor is not giving them too much trouble, but they want to do something on their own to get it stronger, they can try Kegels, which is basically squeezing the pelvic floor and holding it for a few seconds and relaxing it. But make sure you're breathing while you're doing it and not hold your breath because then you're being counterproductive. But if somebody tries that, and these are things that are, this information is available online. Anybody can go online and learn it. So I'm not 
again, giving one-on-one -on -one advice, but people can try it. If their symptoms get worse, definitely stop it immediately. And they need medical uh, advice um, and one-on-one -on -one consultation because there might be more to the picture than what meets the eye. And um, if it helps a little, but it's still not solving your problem 100%, Imagine if without any guidance, if you just squeezing the muscle is improving your symptom, you're not leaking as much or whatever. What could it do if you actually get proper guidance and completely resolve your issue properly? So you're not, and a lot of women in their thirties and forties, they're, they're young moms. They have so much on their plate. They don't make time for themselves. And these are the women in their postmenopausal state where they're going through so much hormonal issue and all that. And it, life almost seems like they're going through some kind of life crisis, middle age crisis or something, because now everything comes at once when body goes through so many hormonal changes. But it's not, it's not that you, you're getting old. You just didn't take care of your body for last 20 years and you're paying the price right now. But even then, their human body is amazing and we can do so much for them, even at any age. I have had 89-year-old patients, 79-year-old patients with no awareness of how much they were leaking, completely needing diapers every three hours. We were able to train them to full bladder control where they could go to Walmart for three hours and not leak at all. Uh, so they can wait until they can use the restroom. So there is, you can't blame your age all the time. Body has innate ability to heal at any age. You just need to be willing to take care of yourself. Um, another thing I always advise women to our patients in general, um, breathing exercise, just some deep breathing can reboot the nervous system. It can relax some of the muscles. If you're, if you're tight and carrying the tension, um, and just sometimes relieving the stress can also help. So I always teach breathing exercise, but then there are different um, specialized breathing techniques that I teach based on what I'm seeing. So if I see a problem with rib cage, I may teach patients something specific for that patient. So that's something that comes with one-on-one -on -one consultation um, if, if it's indicated. And um, diet, um, like there are, there are irritants in our diet that affect bladder. So if somebody has urinary frequency, they go every half hour, two hours. Ideally, an adult should be able to hold urine for three to four hours. So if somebody's going peeing less than three hours, um, every two hours or whatever, it's not normal. And that, can, that shows pelvic floor dysfunction. Or for some women, it could be what they're eating. So a lot of citrus fruits, uh, acidic food, uh, coffee, a lot of coffee, alcohol, um, tomato puree, like pasta sauce and all that, um, smoking. I mean, all these things are risk factors for bladder and smoking in general causes lung problems. And then people are coughing a lot. That leads to that abdominal pressure dysfunction and that can lead to prolapse as well as uh, leakage um, for people. And um, eating high fiber food, drinking lots of water and you can't replace water to any liquid. You can't be drinking soda and think I'm drinking enough, enough fluids because soda is a bladder irritant. So if somebody's bladder is irritable and they're drinking lots of, lots of soda or alcohol, they're not helping themselves. So I think having a diet, consulting a dietitian or nutritionist can be a great um, option along with pelvic for physical therapy. If they have any bladder and uh, rectal, colorectal issues uh, or constipation, um, I think a team approach can be great. And if I see a patient and if I see the need, I always make that recommendation. So they have to start somewhere. And then I think trust the clinician to guide in other areas as well. 
Definitely, definitely agree with that, um, Tulsi. And wonderful tips, by the way, uh, Tulsi, really well explained as well. So com coming back to your personal health and wellness routine, Tulsi, mm -hmm. what does is, what is your personal uh, wellness routine look like? Um, so I'm vegetarian. I, I was raised vegetarian. Um, and I think that just helps because I don't even know how meat tastes. So I, I don't have to fight the urge to not eat meat. Um, so I think being vegetarian is healthy, in my opinion. Uh, I don't judge the ones who don't want to go that route. It's hard. I mean, if you tell me to quit cheese, um, that's not happening. So that's why I don't tell my patients to quit coffee if they really love coffee, but can we control the quantity of coffee? So I love chocolates and cheese and that's where I can overdo, but I control the portion. So moderation is the key. And even if I love something and I can do that, uh, eat one pound of chocolate in a day, I don't eat one pound of chocolate. I'll just have, munch on small pieces every few hours. So I'm getting the taste and Cra uh, satisfying my craving, but I'm not overdoing. So I think moderation, life, uh, what kind of food you eat, I generally tend to buy better quality of food to begin with. I try to eat as many times as possible, cook from scratch if I can. So I'm not using store-bought meals. Um, there are times I have to, but we all have to as working moms. Um, or even if you're stay-at-home mom, sometimes you're just exhausted and that's okay too. Um, and I do incorporate exercise in my routine, but I'm not like crossfitter or something. I just, I'm hyper flexible. So I know I need more strength training and not so much flexibility. So being a physical therapist really helped me take care of my body. I think I had C-section and um, my C-section scar is really, was used to be really tight and uh, it still is tight and I treat myself and C-section has, oh my God, we haven't even covered that. C-section has so many consequences on the rib cage, on the abdominals, on the scar itself, nervous system, numbness that occurs with it, pelvic floor, the posture, it leads to neck pain for so many people. Like there are so many things that C-section, maybe we can do another episode on that, but it's, it's too much detail. Um, so I just make sure that my posture is good and my alignment is good. If I see issue, I start working on it right away. I don't waste my time waiting for it to get better. Like, for example, yesterday I was playing something with my son and I was like throwing and 2020, I didn't work out as much as I would, I would want to. Of course, we all like everybody's life was disrupted and I woke up sore and I am feeling like some tendon sensitivity. And I'm like, I need to strengthen myself if throwing balls a few times <laughs> is starting to make me sore. It wasn't something that should have made me sore. So I'm not going to wait four weeks for this to go away because I know it will go away regardless of what I do. Mm. But it already tells me there is something wrong. It shouldn't have happened in the first mm. place. So I'm going to start taking care of it. So next time when I have to do a, a, a strenuous activity, I'm not going to end up having full-fledged tendinitis. Mm. So That's I think having understanding your body and, and being proactive about solving problems beforehand or as soon as they mm. happen, rather than wait for six years before you acknowledge it mm. or, or just be so distracted from other things in life that you lose that mind-body connection, mindfulness. I meditate every single day, especially 2020 was a blessing in that way. I started meditating every single day and not few times a week. And that has brought so much mental peace. And I, I, I don't think anything is worth losing mental peace. So I, I do talk about all these things to my patients, lifestyle, not just physical health. It's physical health, mental health, spiritual health, our, our patterns, how conditioning affect women and how they make different decisions and how from young age, we are taught to think about everybody else and not ourselves. And 
and we keep living compromised lives. So based on what the patient needs and what they're interested in, we explore a lot of areas of being women in general and not just sexual pain or because sexual pain is just a manifestation of a lot of things that are, that have been happening since they were born and how they were raised. And I, there are so many Indian women who just bear through pain because they're supposed to please their husband. I mean, in general, across the board, across the globe, but Indian women don't even ask for help in general. And it's pretty sad because it, it's, I think women do so much for everybody else. They should treat themselves with equal uh, consideration, if not more. <laughs> absolutely. I absolutely. Definitely agree with that, Tulsi. And I love the way you explain, you know, that you focus a lot in, you know, vegetarian, focus a lot on plant-based foods and things. Yeah. So definitely, you know, your routine and especially when you, focus, when you talk about meditation and how basically, you know, meditative helps all of us with that aspect and things. So, yeah, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health. Um, working in New York City was great and uh, I learned a lot and I grew a lot professionally, but my I felt like I was spiritually burnt out. And, and I was still feeling it in 2020, even though I had moved to Texas. It, it, 2020 really helped me. I, in general, I live healthy life, but that even just emphasized what is really important. So I think it... If people haven't done that in 2020, they should now do it. Like, wh are you burnt out? I, what is what in your life is not working? And what emotional blockages and things that are suppressed for a long time do end up being physically seen somewhere else. So people will start having back pain or uh, neck pain or other things because their emotions are suppressed so much. So we will talk about all that too. Like, um, and it's not just a knee joint. Because knee pain shows up much later in life. Hmm. The, 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 the things have been happening for, for a long time. So I even sometimes tell people, look, I can see this. I know you're going to start having shoulder problems eventually. Why don't we just address it right now? It, it's much easier to address. Because they're coming in for something. Why don't we just take care of everything? So uh, I think a lot of patients appreciate that, that I focus so much on prevention and not just put out fire after damage is done. So I definitely love that approach of yours, uh, Tulsi, that, you know, you're looking more at prevention and the whole person aspect. So that is absolutely wonderful. Okay? Yeah. Do you have any update or anything or any events and things coming up that you want to share with the audience today? Um, I, I am planning on uh, creating a, uh, an online event. It's a, I call it a workshop. Uh, so it makes sense to people, but it's not like I'm going to teach them um, how to solve the problem, but I will give some tips on, on the workshop, but I just want people to understand first of all, what the problem is. So I have done um, workshops in, in the past on sexual pain because it's such a sensitive issue. Women don't even want to ask for help because they're ashamed when they ask for help, they're being told that it's all psychological, there is something wrong with them or they should drink some wine and loosen up and take some painkillers. These are all wrong advices given by medical professionals, including doctors and gynecologists. So if you are given that advice, please don't follow it and actually seek help. Um, I do not mind talking to people for free if they have any questions. So reach out to me, text me. Um, I'll. I am sure you'll be posting my website information and my contact information so people can look that up. And um, it's www.activebodyactivelife.com. 
And my phone number is 214-210-0715 and Facebook and Instagram are Active Body, Active Life. So they, there are so many ways they can reach me and inquire and I'll guide them. If I can help them, I'll tell them what the, the, what the options are. If I can't help them, I'll refer them to the right person. Uh, so I will be, I would say everybody should at least like my Facebook and Instagram page because I will be announcing events on those, pay, on those social media uh, platforms. So if I have a workshop coming on a on sexual pain or pelvic pain, then they can sign up for that. If I have event coming on upon C-section and its consequences for women or C-section and neck pain, how that's connected, which I have done in the past. And, and people loved it because this was the first time they felt validated. This was the first time it made sense why ever since they had kids, they have neck problem, especially dentists, uh, uh, anybody who does uh, engineers who are at desk or uh, hairstylists they are using their hands and, and not having strong core and then mm. having all the load going to the neck. Um, so I do these kind of events where they at least, first of all, understand what's going on with them. And then mm. I'll give some tips. And if somebody wants to work with me after that or just wants to inquire, I don't mind giving all the information that I can give them um, within my professional boundaries. So, yeah, um, I, I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. You did. And uh, definitely, um, thank you for sharing your, you know, your website information, your phone as well. And you're on Instagram as well as Facebook. And we will uh, be having those links also in an episode and things for you so that if you have any questions and things, you can reach out to Tulsi as well. So yeah. Tulsi, thank you so much. You know, it was just wonderful. I mean, say it was like an eye-opener um, episode for me as well. You know, you know, just learning about so many things and the pelvic floor dysfunction learning about the diastasis recti and how everything is connected especially you know the the um, example you gave especially that keeps coming into my mind is you know the neck pain and then how everything else is related so it's just like you know wow so many you know light bulbs going in in my mind right now yeah, so thank, I, you. Oh, thank you oh so much okay. we'll see and um i hope that you know our viewers also will learn a lot more and again if you have any questions and you need to seek out consultation from tulsi we will have those uh, uh links for you as well where you can reach out to tulsi as well so thank you again for again uh, listening to our episode and keep listening to wellness bites with gauri thanks a lot and have a wonderful day thank you gauri you can now listen to our podcast interviews and podcast episodes on our website www.iunutrition.com slash podcast. You can also listen to these episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. These are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, and many more channels. You can also access our Wellness Bites with Corey episodes on our YouTube channel at IU Nutrition. So don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at IU Nutrition, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel at IU Nutrition.